Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene in Cape Elizabeth, Maine. Download more sermons or learn about the Cape Elizabeth Church of the Nazarene at our website, capenazarene.org. Here's this week's message. We're going to continue in the, in the Gospel of Mark. We're spending a lot of time uh, in the Gospel of Mark this year, and I want to uh, read for you today from uh, verse 21 through verse 28. And uh, it says, They went to Capernaum, this is Jesus and his disciples, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. And just then there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you done with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent, come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This passage begins with Jesus teaching in the synagogue, and everyone amazed at his teaching. And I sometimes get amazed at the way in which others teach as well. And in fact, I've, I've often studied and looked at how people teach and how people preach and how they present because I learned a lot, particularly as I was starting in ministry. I wanted to be perceived as someone who knew what they were talking about, even though I had a degree that at least suggested I might. I, I thought, you know, uh, how, how am I going to convince people that, you know, I, I, I can speak with any kind of authority? And so I would watch and see what what people did and try to figure out what's my style and what, what's my form. And so sometimes I'd see people get really, really excited. You see all kinds of brands of excitement. Sometimes it's like, like a, uh, like a sh- shaking up a bottle of soda about to explore. They'll explode. They'll start talking and they just kind of burst out. And, and I've seen people pace back and forth with great excitement wiping their brow with a handkerchief. I've seen people bang in the pulpits and realize that didn't work for me. But uh, it only took one sermon for, that to re- for me to realize that. But like, like I started realizing, like, what's, my, what's my style? Who am I? And, uh, and I just knew I, don't, I just don't want to be the, the, the one who reads from my manuscript every week. I, I just knew that one wasn't me. But I tried to figure out. I had one pastor who... Uh, began every one of his sermons uh, with a joke. And, uh, and usually it was a top ten list. It was a comedic top ten list that would relate in some way to the sermon. And I remember listening to him uh, preach and thinking to myself, oh, okay, so that's what it would be like if David Letterman got called into the ministry. <laughs> and so, and so like, like it was just, but it was, but it was great. It was wonderful. And so like all those I love, like it, it doesn't matter the style. I've recognized everyone's different and their styles vary and that's okay. I don't want to make light of that because trust me, I've had people, I've seen people uh, make fun of me and it's, it's humbling. <laughs> but... Um, uh, it's okay. I, 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 I'm always trying to say, okay, what is it that helps me speak in a way that, that might, people might say, okay, Tim has an idea of what he's talking about and might listen a little more clearly. 
Is that what it means to speak with authority, to speak out of the the abundance of either skill or passion or, or something that they've learned? And Jesus, when he comes and he speaks in the synagogue in Capernaum, they say he speaks unlike the scribes, unlike the teachers of the law. And I find myself thinking, well, these teachers of the law, maybe I could assume maybe they were just boring, and yeah, Jesus was more exciting or something, but I don't think that's the case. I don't think that's the case at all. Uh, Paul, the apostle who wrote so many uh, of our New Testament books of the Bible, said, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was someone who was, he was, who was learned. He was someone who was uh, a part of the, that whole kind of religious leadership climate. And, and studying his, his works and, and how he constructs his arguments, we learn, no, he was trained in the ancient skill of rhetoric. He would have known how to present. In fact, one of the letters says, accuses him of uh, speaking with boldness um, uh, uh, in his letters, but otherwise not, and uh, in talking about you know, his delivery skills. And they know what this looks like. When Jesus speaks with authority, it's not because he's got some good tools under his belt. It's, it's because there's something more that they're seeing in the person of Jesus. For him to be a good teacher is not just because he's learned a lot, like you might expect the teachers or the scribes to do, although there's no, no issues with being someone who, is, who cares to learn a lot about the details of Scripture. That's okay. But he doesn't come to it with a lot of hubris or a lot of arrogance as, as the know-it-all. I know more than you. You better follow. No, no, that might fit the scribes. And the... He doesn't come with the power or the, the excitement of, of someone with just a lot of enthusiasm. He doesn't come with necessarily just the skills of persuasion, you know, have a good intro, talk for a while, and then tie it up with a little bow at the end that goes back to the intro, you know, like any good speaker, any good comedian, and any good preacher, you know, if you can, you can tie it all together at the end, it's great. So when someone talks about this, they say, hey, here's this great thing he said, but really everything just tied to it perfectly. Jesus, I think, does that sometimes, but the, the point of Jesus speaking with authority and astounding them is that it's coming out of who he is, and they recognize that when he's teaching, he is somebody different than everybody else. And a lot of times we know of somebody but what, by what they have attained or what they have done. If we step out of the church or before you stepped into the church, you could have looked in the parking lot. And you might have had an idea of who was here just by what cars are in the parking lot, right? Sometimes we know a little bit about somebody based off the car they drive or where they live or what kind of job they do. We're known by those things, by what we do, by how we live. In fact, if you want to know, okay, I have a project that needs to be done or I need to ask some advice about something, the authority of whose advice we take is going to be based on what they've done before. It's going to be based on what their resume looks like. It's going to be based on, have you ever answered a question like this or completed this role before? Their authority to speak into whatever need that is in our life, whether that's a repair in our home or whether that is an excursion we want to take and we want advice before we go, like it's going to be based off what they've done before. It is going to be based on those kind of degrees earned or jobs performed. But this is the beginning of Mark. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He, does, he hasn't built up 
a resume. He doesn't have anything to suggest that he is someone who has authority to speak about the things of the law, except they realize that his authority is coming from somewhere else. There is something about who he is that is speaking to them. And they realize, okay, we need to pay a little more attention to what he is saying. And the first one to speak about who he is, about who this person is, is an unclean spirit. It is somebody who has come and, is, and has a spirit in them who recognizes that what is unique about this person of Jesus Christ is that he is the Holy One of God. That he speaks as someone who has come from God, who commands presence in the world and for the world to come. That when he speaks, that he has power over the evil in this world and over whatever faces them. And this is what Mark means when he speaks about the authority of Jesus. He has power in this world and power for all those who will listen precisely because who he is as the Holy One of God. The weight of his authority is in the people's encounter with the Trinitarian God, with Jesus, the embodiment of, the, of God whose Holy Spirit wants to dwell and work in our life in place of any other spirit of this age, in place of any other evil spirit. God's Holy Spirit wants to move in and take residence. And so what happens next is an example of this authority. There's a man in the synagogue with an impure spirit. And the the Spirit calls him out, hey, you you are Jesus of Nazareth. I know who you are. Jesus, a fairly well-known name, but recognizing this Jesus from this small town of Nazareth, this particular one, here is where we find God. Here in this one is the Holy One of God. And the early church has always recognized that in this one we find indeed the embodiment of what it means that God has loved us and desired to dwell in our presence. And and this impure spirit, naming him, calling him out, there's been some kind of like wondering, what does this mean that an impure spirit's the first one to recognize this is the Holy One of God, other than perhaps John the Baptist? What does it mean that he's naming him and he's making this declaration? I think in some ways there's been some kind of hypothesis that maybe this is like, it trying to have power over him, like an, like an exorcism ritual. You know, by naming him, you have power or something. And I don't know that I quite buy that, but if that is the case, what we find in this passage is there is no power over, that is greater than God. Jesus has power over the evil in our world. But I think what happens is this, this spirit that is speaking and says, hey, here is... Jesus of Nazareth, he is the Holy One of God. It's a way of pointing out that even in the midst of the worst trials, the worst temptations, the possession of this impure spirit, even in the midst of all that, there is God willing to walk and live and work among. And to say, I can work and change and move despite the presence of something wrong in your life. 
that Jesus shows that the Holy One of God is indeed able to work and move in the middle of where it seems like there is another force at work. That Jesus has reign in our life no matter what mistakes, no matter what past, no matter what sins. And so Jesus speaks His power over the Spirit when He says, be quiet, don't say, don't say anything, be quiet and come out of Him. I wanna, I wanna, I'm going to do a little pastor's anecdote about this. Um, be quiet. He says to the Spirit that is calling out who Jesus is. And I think sometimes in our life, sometimes in our walk of faith, there are reasons that uh, we say to ourselves, man, I just, I, I just keep messing up. I just don't measure up. Uh, I, know, I know what God's expectation is. I know who Jesus is. And I don't measure up at all to who Jesus is or what Jesus wants. I am the worst that there can possibly be. Uh, if you've ever been up late at night and you found yourself wondering, why in the world did I do that boneheaded thing back then? And that back then could have been our childhood doing something so many years ago, but for whatever reason, that night it's keeping you up. Or it could have been that week. And you just find yourself going, what in the world? Why, why, why did I do that bonehead thing? Or why did I uh, uh, go against God's will in that area of my life in that moment? And for whatever reason, it just keeps you up. And I just want to say, I think in sometimes in those moments, it's okay for us to say, be quiet. This is not it. I don't have to compare myself with who Jesus is, I'm not doing that kind of comparison. I'm never going to measure up. And if I continue to say to myself, okay, I'm going to let what's been wrong in my life speak into my life, I am never going to think of myself higher than my mistakes. I'm never going to think of myself higher than what went wrong. And in those moments, I think it's okay to say, be quiet. There's no place for that here. Our comparison is not how we measure up to God. We'll always fall short. The comparisons the gospel invites us to make, the comparisons Mark invites us to make, where the last couple weeks we've talked about what is the good news, it's not that we don't measure up to God. The comparison we're called to make is that God has loved us so much that He's come to be with us. The comparison is how great is God's love, not how deficient I am. And so, God, so Jesus speaks to the Spirit, be quiet. Now, I said that was going to be a pastor's anecdote because I think, if I'm, if I'm true to the Scripture, I don't think uh, it's as privatized or individualized as that when Jesus says, be silent. But I think it's still applicable. I think it's still true to uh, the grace of God in our life that we might learn to hear the voice of Jesus saying, God's love has, is pleased to be with you now and to make changes and differences and direct where you are now despite any inefficiencies, despite not measuring up. God is still pleased to be precisely where you are. But Jesus says, be quiet to the Spirit. It is certainly a rebuke to it. On the other hand, uh, throughout the Gospel of Mark, we're going to see examples of Jesus saying precisely those words. Hey, don't say anything. Be quiet. Shh. When people are saying, wait, are you the Messiah? Are you the Messiah? And again and again, we're going to find as we go through the Gospel of Mark, that uh, he has moments where he says, now is not the time. Stay with me. We will come to this again on Easter Sunday. But for now, 
at this point, suffice it to say that the message of who Jesus is is for those who have encountered the resurrection power of Christ in their life. For those who are ready to say, this God who overcomes the evil of this world, who has done so through the resurrection, I'm ready to say who he is because he's done that work in me. Jesus is the Holy One of God. And we are left wondering as the Spirit convulses, is this Holy One of God, is this a true testimony? Is what the Spirit says here true? More importantly, is that a true testimony for me? Will I let Jesus have authority in my life? And uh, we might like to say that uh, we've learned from mistakes, we've learned from sins done in the past, we've learned from all kinds of things that have happened. And sometimes there are unfortunate consequences that happen from those, and they can be informative. We can say, hey, I learned a life lesson from that mistake. Uh, I've become who I am in some ways because of mistakes made. Indeed, our lives are forever changed based off of decisions we've made. And sometimes those consequences can be truth-bearing for us. They're like, okay, I learned something from that. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> like banging on the pulpit or whatever else. Okay, I'm not, I'm not making a mistake like that again. That's not who I am. And they're truth-bearing for us. But even if they're truth-bearing for us, we realize, well, maybe it's, it doesn't mean it's worth making again. It's, it doesn't mean, hey, it's worth making this mistake again. It's worth stumbling in this way. A lesson learned does not make the consequences of sin a good teacher. A lesson learned doesn't mean, oh, let me go back to doing that so I can keep learning that lesson. The lesson learned is a way of saying, okay, that doesn't have a place in my life anymore. So even if this impure spirit says, he's the the Holy One of God, that lesson, uh, while learned, does not mean that spirit has a place in the life of the person who's come to Jesus in the synagogue. And so the convulsion that follows is the struggle, is the resistance of, of warring with God's will in our life versus our desire for sin. It is that warring of who's going to win out and how I live out my life and how I'm going to face this world and the challenges that come with it. Following Jesus doesn't promise to be easy. It doesn't promise to be a, a life-led without temptation, or without pain. But it is a promise to give hope to the hopeless. It is a promise that uh, uh, God has said, I'm going to be with you through that trial. It is a promise that there is indeed victory on the other side. It, It is a promise that God has said, even while you are there, my love is still with you. And so the question in this passage, I think, comes down to a lot of which spirit reigns in our life? Will it be the Holy Spirit of God? Or will it be the spirit of this age? Which teacher has authority in my life? Being taught by the Holy Spirit means asking Him to teach us to love one another. Teaching us what Sacrificial love looks like. Means, uh, what, what it means to put each day forward before God in submission to Him. Each day, God, here it is. What do you want? And sometimes it means asking, what, what do I do with this day? What is this? How does this day become a day that honors God? And it is a question that's going to be asked throughout this gospel. 
What is this? What is happening? What is God doing? How is God moving in this moment? It's a question that will get asked again and again. It's a question we ask each and every day. Okay, Jesus, how are you going to move today? How are you going to help today? And us asking that question in a way that puts us and makes us available to God. God, I want to be a part of the work you are doing. For Jesus, they say about him, this is a new teaching. And it has authority. And the authority is not about how compelling or convincing he was. The authority was all in how life-changing it is. The authority of what God is doing and the authority to teach is not in how well it's presented, but in lives that are changed. And uh, it's why uh, I'll, I'll say, any time I can, when you have opportunity, when someone asks you about your faith, when someone asks, what is this church you go to? When someone says, why do you bother reading the Bible? When someone says, you're a person of faith, but what about this or that? And someone asks you that question. Do not shy away from it. Don't think, oh, I don't know if I can do this, or I better go get pastor. I mean, you can, but like, that's you have the authority in that moment because God has opened up doors by the power of His Holy Spirit working in your influence and who you are, and that's all the authority that's needed. It is all about the life that is brought before you who has said, hey, I'm, I'm asking, I'm curious in seeing how God works. And for us to see and hear this passage and to find ourselves saying, okay, where, who has the authority in my life? Well, I invite Jesus to make a change in who I am and what I do. That Jesus will have authority in my life for life change. Is allow Him to form us into people who love boldly and live holy. Say, okay, God, here I am for you. Whatever you want. And this, this passage is an invitation for us to see. God is all about saying, hey, where you are now, who you've been, I know all that but I still love you so much. I am with you. And for us to say, okay, God, here I am. Do with me as you want. Let me be the clay that you mold into whatever you want to be. I make myself available to be changed and to be used by you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, here we are. We've come to this place of worship. We have praised your majesty. We've sung Jesus is all we need. We've recognized that you have more authority than anything else in this world. And so here we are recognizing, Lord, uh, who we are. We know what you've already begun in our life, and we know the work that still needs to be done. And we just give it all to you today. And we just say, Lord, here you are. You have first place. You have authority. You are, Jesus, you are God in my life. Whatever you want, wherever you want me to go, whoever you want me to be, Lord, here I am. And so, Heavenly Father, we are inviting the power of your Holy Spirit to enact that change, to do that work. And in particular, to give us 
the power to live faithfully day in and day out, to keep turning to you. Thank you again for your grace and the good news that you have seen us where we are and you have loved us. Lord, I pray for your victory over any spirit, any temptation that, that tempts us and tries us by saying we're not good enough. Lord, speak the words, be quiet. Drive that far from us and help us see you have drawn near and that's close enough. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your grace and your love. Amen. Amen. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. We hope this sermon has encouraged you with the gospel of Jesus. More sermons are available online at our website, capenazarene.org. May God richly bless you as you serve him today.